Hi friends, welcome to the Psyche Mental Wellbeing Podcast with me, your host, Hannah. On the show, I'm joined each episode by an amazing guest to have an honest conversation, share our real life experiences and tackle stigma and misconceptions around mental health along the way. We believe that everyone would benefit from focusing a little more on their mental well-being, and we're here to support you to do just that. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Happy Monday. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. I've been really leaning into the uh, the self-care and the self-nurturing over the last week. That's kind of been the place that I've been in and I'm really working on listening to myself and being kind to myself um, and giving myself what I need. And sometimes that looks like taking a step back in self-care and sometimes it looks like pushing myself to um, to kind of move forward. And it's definitely been in a, a sit back space this week, but that's me. And it's it's been an interesting week. And there's a few things that, that I want to comment on. Um, you know, we started the week with International Women's Day and they have that the Choose to Challenge as their theme for this year and really um, encouraging people to commit to helping to forge a more inclusive world, which I am absolutely all about. The show is all about that. And for us, particularly um, around the the kind of mental health and well-being space and bringing those, giving a platform to uh, to voices to to kind of share different experiences. Um, also, at the beginning of the week, there was the uh, Meghan Markle Prince Harry conversation, which I know there has been a lot of social media attention about, and particularly about a lot of people's reaction to questioning Meghan's experience. And and also, um, there's been a lot in the media this week with the the tragic news about Sarah Everard and her death, and and, and questioning uh, women's experiences that that people are sharing. And I guess my my general I have lots of thoughts <laughs> lots of things I could say about both of those situations but I, but I guess what I want to say is uh, and one of the things about the podcast is giving people that space to share their story and and really trying to listen and trying to understand what people have experienced and what they have gone through and kind of normalizing people sharing those experiences and and people really listening and not trying to minimalize not trying to deny those experiences and that's not to say that sometimes there aren't people who um will say things have happened that aren't true but if we always default to a position of oh it's not true um particularly if it's outside of our experience I think that's um that's not really a good place to to be in to to really be challenging whether everything is true um and actually sometimes things that that aren't true can feel really true to us in our, our experience you know we can we can have fears and we can think things that actually maybe aren't really based in reality but just are in our head and in the way that we perceive things but that doesn't mean that they feel any less true to us um so i guess my my point is particularly in the the mental health space because that's where we kind of are with um with the podcast is if someone is sharing their experience with you then listen and and don't be quick to dismiss or diminish it um or to invalidate their experience because whatever the kind of the the facts of the situation what they're sharing is is what is real to them, what is true to them. And I think it's really important to normalise having conversations and sharing experiences, particularly difficult experiences, because I think only through having more open conversations and actually kind of creating a world where it's, we can share these things and be supported and be listened to and felt like feel like we are being understood and being seen, I think that is something that will create a better world and I'm <laughs> idealistic today um, or philosophical but um, and and obviously you know thinking about me- mental health but I think that is across all experiences and, and kind of all groups and um, yeah I just 
I think it's it's really powerful to well as a as a a person going through stuff to to feel listened to to feel that people really care and to to feel that you have been seen and and heard and I think when we try to um for whatever reason when we try it and suggest that maybe what they're saying has happened hasn't happened or that it's not as bad as all that or oh no no it's all fine all of those things can have a really profound impact uh, and actually one of the conversations um that we have on Wednesday uh, with Catherine kind of hints at that how sometimes parents um, with the best will in the world can invalidate how their children are feeling and that can have a really big impact and it's not necessarily or probably most likely not from a negative place it's coming from a caring place but the impact um can can be massive so for me personally I um, am committing to the this pledge this choose to challenge pledge to to yeah to try and in whatever way I can to make the world a more inclusive place for everyone and um, I really love this idea I heard once that that there are so many things that are really important and sometimes and, and I think it was in the context of well-being that well-being is so broad um but sometimes we have our kind of specialisms if you like the things that are our superpowers or that we're really focused in and actually we can kind of work collectively all bringing our strengths and and I guess that's where we kind of fit in in that mental health space um but just generally that is uh, something that I'm committing to and you know if this kind of all resonates with you and it's something that you also have this vision of um, an inclusive world where people can truly be themselves and show up as themselves then I would encourage you to commit to that in whatever way it looks uh, for you um and I've got a couple of quotes to share um and these are particularly uh, from International Women's Day um and that's women anyone who identifies as, as a woman so these two one from Serena Williams the success of every woman should be the inspiration to another we should raise each other up um, and Viola Davis I love this one do not live someone else's life and someone else's idea of what womanhood is womanhood is you um, and that one really resonates with me because I often kind of worry about what how I should be you know and and other people's ideas and expectations and, and all of that and I think actually it's it's not about trying to fit yourself to someone else's mold it's about accepting what that is for you um however it looks for you there's not one specific way of being uh, anything um yeah so so I there are a couple of quotes that that I really loved that's I guess just some thoughts about kind of what's happening in the world and things that have been on my mind um but this week we are we've got episodes with two amazing women this week so today we are joined by Epiphany and we are talking about um a topic that particularly at the moment is is quite difficult maybe for us to to think about or to experience which is touch and, and the value of human touch and particularly Epiphany likes to talk about nurturing human touch. And I think, you know, conversations I've been having with people um, around COVID and around lockdown has been that, yes, we can use technology to connect, but that that is a different kind of experience. And there is something missing from not being able to be in the same space together. And then perhaps touch is a big part of that. So it was a really interesting conversation that I had with Epiphany. And obviously, with every guest that comes on, they are sharing their thoughts, they are sharing their perspective on the world. And and I just encourage you to listen with an open mind. And as you know, we don't have a one size fits all. And it's not a case of saying you should definitely do everything uh, that this person has said. Uh, one of the things that Epiphany mentions is microdosing, which is something that works for her. And and I'm not passing any judgment. We're very non-judgmental, I guess. So have a listen with an open mind and open heart. And um, I love something from the Time to Talk Day podcast we had about kind of taking what you need and, and leaving the rest. And I really 
love that idea of um you know that you can just kind of drop in and enjoy the conversation and whatever hits you whatever you want to take away from it taking that and then not feeling that you have to take the rest do anything with the rest that you have to fit into any mold um really just tuning into your intuition and what is true for you uh, I feel quite deep today actually <laughs> probably I've been on a philosophical uh reading journey or whatever but I'm going to stop talking uh, for now and pass over to this conversation with Epiphany and I really hope that you enjoy it and I'll be back very quickly at the end. Hi everyone and I'm really happy to welcome Epiphany to this episode of the podcast so Epiphany welcome and if you could tell us a little bit about yourself that would be fab. Hannah, thank you so much for inviting me to be on your podcast today. My name is Epiphany Jordan, and I live in Austin, Texas. And I am on a mission to redesign human touch. I think that our current paradigm of, uh, for adults of relegating touch to only sexual and romantic relationships is hurting most of us. Um, Many more of us are single than in the past, and even people in romantic relationships struggle with uh, getting their touch needs met. And I feel like touch is something that we should be thinking about as a part of wellness, just like we would diet or exercise or sleep or drinking water or taking your vitamins or any of these other things. And I think that uh, we would be a much happier, healthier and, healthier and more connected humans if we dove into this topic and really looked at how it is and is not serving us in its current configuration. Awesome. And I, I'd love to, I guess, start with the, the benefits of touch as you see them, as, as you were saying about at the moment, we have a very romantic kind of sexualized view of touch. So what is the, the benefit of touch just generally? for us? Well, on a physiological level, which we don't really think about, it, it has so many it has so many health benefits. It boosts our immune system. It lowers our blood pressure. It helps uh, counteract the effects of cortisol and stress. It helps with wound healing. It's a pain reliever. It helps muscles regenerate. Um, they've done studies where they have found that it um, counteracts the effects of alcohol. It activates the vagus nerve, which is part of the parasympathetic nervous system, um, which is, it's also called like the rest and digest system. Um, so it helps to relax us and get us out of stress and, and give the body and the mind a reset on a, on a more, um, psychological or emotional level. Um, I think that it, if it's if it's if the touch is consensual and you want to be touched, I think that um, it helps with depression and anxiety and PTSD. You know, it just makes people feel more connected. It's a very basic form of connection. And um, like, I'm particularly interested in the physiological benefits. I mean, it's it's a it's a very holistic um, approach to health and healing, but you know, I think that if we could look more at the physiological benefits of it, that we might find that it's really, really good for your health. Yeah, um, amazing. And and you particularly talk about platonic touch. So I wonder if you could explain what you mean uh, by that and, and how that how that works. Yeah, so I actually um, coined the phrase nurturing human touch as opposed to platonic touch. Um, platonic kind of um, implies that it's just touch between friends. But in general, I mean, we all kind of know what sexual touch is. You know, it's something that you do when you're naked and it's a lead up to sex. And uh, not necessarily, I mean, it can be more intimate, but um, nurturing human touch is touch that's specifically designed to um, help you feel relaxed and safe and cared for. This is how we take care of our human young you know if you don't give babies a lot of touch 
they will fail to thrive. They have all sorts of um, emotional and psychological problems later on in life. And so our, our bodies are hardwired for it. I mean, it's, it's, it's part of our DNA. So um, nurturing human touch or platonic touch could be something as simple as when somebody is going through a hard time and you put your hand on their shoulder. Um, it could be a hug. It could be, here, let me bring you a cup of tea and massage your feet because I know that you've had a hard day. Um, it could be snuggling with friends to, you know, sitting on a couch and watching a movie. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of nurturing human touch that we've made transactional, like getting a pedicure or getting your hair cut or something, you know, like that kind of stuff used to be something that you would do with your family members. Um, a lot of it is also like it's become a maintenance thing, you know, where every day you have to put on makeup or fix your hair or shave your face or what have you. And so it's like, we used to do more of that stuff for each other. And it could be, it could be something as simple as holding hands or having somebody lie down and give them very light touch or there's, there's loads of different ways that we can do it that we just don't really have in our cultural vocabulary, I guess. And I don't know whether this is going, I don't know, quite deep into cultural stuff, but do you think there's a reason maybe why we don't have that that sort of nurturing human touch bit between us so much and as adults, why it's it's not so common when, as you said, it's it's very common with um towards children? Mm-hmm. Um that's a great question and there's there's lots of answers to it. There's, there's dozens of cultural reasons for us having less touch. Um, one of the biggest ones that I can think about is um, with the advent of electricity, we, we have a, the ability to, to heat our homes. You know, it used to be a hundred years ago before there was electricity, you'd find in colder climates and entire families sleeping in one bed to keep from freezing to death at night, you know, because human body heat is much less expensive than wood or coal or what have you. We are marrying later. We're having less children. Uh, 25% of Americans live alone. Actually, almost half of Americans are single right now. Um, We also uh, stratify our generations. You know, we put our elderly people in our elderly relatives into homes, retirement homes, and we send our children off to school, you know, in the past, um, that would have been a great source of touch, both for children and for older people, you know, grandparents who are taking care of their kids. Um, We're more dependent on our pets um, for our intimate relationships and emotional needs. We um, have a lot of addiction, depression, anxiety, suicide, trauma, that kind of stuff. Um, We're very busy. We're um, addicted to our devices. You know, we always have our faces buried in our devices. And I think those are the big ones, you know, and it's, it's, it's a lot of big things. It's just the culture is changing. I mean, culture is always changing, but Um, We just kind of find ourselves in a place where we uh, don't get that. Oh, I think another big one for men is that um, uh, touching people of your own gender is forbidden, you know, because um, men can't show weakness or vulnerability and, you know, they don't want to be called out as being homosexual, uh, which reads as feminine. Um, So that... I think that that leaves a lot of men feeling very lonely and isolated as well. So it's kind of changing, I guess, yet stereotypical, this is how a man behaves. And and yeah, and, and I guess having a, a life that's more disconnected, it sounds like that families are more spread out. And yeah, not that that sense of maybe community or, or connection that there may have been previously. Um, I wonder whether you're seeing... Um, an increase in people who are maybe struggling because obviously at the moment, I, I'm not sure how things are where you are, but we're in a lockdown. So even people who you would have been able to see before 
um, and, and you may not have had much of the, the nurturing human touch in your friendship relationships, but having that enforced distance between you, are you seeing uh, an increase or are you anticipating an increase in, in difficulties because of, because of that? Uh, do you want me to speak to that personally or culturally? I can, I can do both. Um, Up to you, however you want to. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, definitely. And I, I think that I'm, I'm definitely hearing from and talking to people who are really missing hugs, you know, at this point, 10 months in, like I have uh, several friends who've had their mothers die this year, for instance. Um, most of them, I think, were able to be with their parents as they were dying. But, you know, after that happens, they're not really, they, they don't really have an opportunity to go out and uh, get affection or support, you know, to have somebody give them a hug or hold them when they cry. I, I think people are starting to get a lot more isolated. I was talking to a friend the other night. We were like, yeah, at the beginning of the pandemic, everybody was like, let's make sure we stay in touch and, you know, have Zoom calls and stuff. And now it's like, yeah, whatever. It's like, I'm not answering the phone. Um, so people are kind of withdrawing more into themselves. And um, I mean, I've, I've seen for years with people who have gone a long time without touch, you know, it's like the, the longer you kind of go without it, the more fraught and um, kind of big, it, like a big decision it becomes. And um, I anticipate that when we can touch each other again, we're going to have a very, very difficult time uh, navigating that space between people. I mean, we've had, we, we were having that at, before. There's so many factors, you know, uh, about whether you touch somebody or not, your age, your gender, is it a work situation? Are you in a relationship? Is it something that has to do with power, your religious upbringing? You know, there's, there's all these different things already, but I, I, I do see it getting a lot worse. I mean, I know for myself personally, like I had, I've, I've been single for the past, mm, actually about three and a half years now. And, um, I had a couple of friends that I would cuddle with on a regular basis. And um, one of them is married with kids and her husband is a teacher. So he's got a lot of exposure. And then I have another friend who has an immunocompromised child. I have, I have another friend who's, he's dating a couple of people and is kind of squirrely about it. So, I mean, I'm getting crankier and angrier and more stressed out and my body hurts in lots of different ways. And yeah, it's, it's, it's not good and um, it doesn't seem to be getting any better. I will say that um, I had made a personal decision to, I, I had people, I mean, Austin, the, the weather's pretty warm here all the time and so I go for walks with people a lot and um, we often hug hello and goodbye with masks on and just being quiet and backing back off again. And, you know, that seems like a very short and not risky behavior, but, you know, not everybody feels that way. So, but, you know, it's still, it's, it's not enough. It's not enough for me. You know, I'm not working with my hands-on business right now, which was also a way that, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm touching clients when I'm working, but I, I benefit from it as well. So I don't have access to that either. So. Mm, yeah. It sound, sounds very difficult to, to have that, that kind of personal lack of touch, I guess, for, or limited touch uh, for one of a better term, but also that kind of professional um, side as, as well. I'd love to know more about when you are have been able uh, to work with your hands on business and when you're able to again what that looks like what's uh, what you do sure um so uh my business is called karuna sessions karuna is the sanskrit word for compassion and i call it immersive touch therapy and so what it is it's a it's a ritual of human connection um a lot of people um kind of put us in the same category as professional cuddlers, but um, it feels very different. Um, ours is done with two practitioners and 
it's very ritualized. The, the, the client comes in, we bless them, we wash their feet, we ask them to meditate for a few minutes, we ask them to change into a kurta, which is a traditional Indian garment, like a loose-fitting tunic and pants. Um, and then we talk about boundaries. We have them lay down on the bed, and then um, myself and my uh, work partner do very light touch on their hands, their face, their arms, their feet, their legs, their belly, their their heart, um, and then we roll them over. We do some light touch on their back, and then the meat of the session is we ask the client to lay on their sides, and we cuddle them in between them. So it's like a, like a double spoon. You know, somebody spooning you from the back and the front. And having two people like that, I believe, mimics the feeling of being held by your mother as an infant. And your body's like, oh, I know this. I know this feeling. Somebody's taking care of me. You know, somebody's like paying attention to me and taking care of my needs. And so we do that. And um, usually by the end of it, they're a puddle of jelly on the bed. And uh, we get up and cover them with a blanket and leave them there to kind of let let the feelings sink into their body. And then um, we get them up, we ask them to change back into their clothes and then they, they sit down on the couch and have some tea and cookies and just kind of decompress a little bit and send them out the door on their merry way. Mm -hmm. It sounds, yeah, it sounds really interesting. It sounds in some ways relaxing, but also in some ways terrifying to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the the, the ritual part of it is is really to address that terror. I mean, you know, when you, we're asking you every step of the way, you know, we're not just like, hey, sit in the chair and we're going to wash your feet. You know, would, would you like this? So that you end up feeling really in control, and we, mm -hmm. um, you know, we very gradually get closer to you. You know, because it's a it's a big amount of of trust and you know you, you need to the client really needs to feel like um we're paying attention to them and what they want and that we're respecting their boundaries and you know it's like we have to establish that pretty quickly we make it quite clear that you can say no at any point you know it's like we kind of have the, the first time we see somebody we kind of have a set routine that we go through and then after that we're like okay you know did did you like this part or did you like this part or, you know, what do you want different? Um, but, you know, generally I, I think it's, I mean, it's terrifying for different people for different reasons. What, um, what is terrifying to you? I mean, we generally have a pretty good track record of like making people feel comfortable and, and safe, you know, before we put their hands on them. But um, yeah, I mean, what, what about it to you would be really hard. Mm. I yeah, I think I'm, I'm, I feel quite funny with touch personally. I like my personal space and, um, and I'm quite, uh, I'm, people can't see, I'm kind of making this little like introverted little shell shape. So I'm quite particular about who I'll let in my personal space and, and touch me anyway. And sometimes I'm like, no, get away from me. Don't touch me. Yeah. So some of the light touch, I was like, oh, that sounds nice. And then some, and particularly the end bit where you're kind of all cuddled, I was like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about yeah. that. Um, I mean, yeah. you know, uh, I guess my question to you would be then, is it something that you would seek out or, or no? I mean, you know, because some people don't need as much touch as other people and they're fine with it. You know, there's, there's other people who don't like touch because they might've had trauma around it at some point in the past mm -hmm. and they want to get past that. Um, it just, it just kind of depends, you know, it's, it's very individual. So. Yeah. And it sounds like it's a, yeah, very much uh, keeping the person at the the center and in, in control and that consensual so that it's not feeling too intrusive, I guess, for them. And I, I imagine yeah. we all have different, I have friends who are very touchy-feely. So mm -hmm. I imagine we all have our own, um, our own comfort level, I guess, with, with touch. Um, do you have any, yeah. Rec yeah, do you have any recommendations for someone who's maybe a bit like me, who's a bit like, ugh, touch but maybe wants to obviously <laughs> in a covid safe way i'll just put that in there but at some point you know wants to have more more of this type of touch in their life 
to sort of step into it a little bit more? Do you have any sort of advice? I do. I think the first thing, the first, the first question you have to ask yourself is, you know, do you really want more touch, you know, or is it something that it feels like a partner is pressuring you into or what have you? Um, and if the answer is yes, uh, I think for many people, so much of the the process with this is a is a mental thing. It's fi- figuring out for yourself. You know, is it is does this have to do with my upbringing, or am I you know am I am I really just physically sensitive? Is it that I can't relax? Did I have a bad experience? You know, is it is my religion telling me that I'm going to go to hell if this happens? I, I, I mean there. So it's like there's a lot of mental work that I feel or reflection that kind of needs to be done before somebody can approach it. Um, And then I would either suggest that you you could you could try with a professional, um, you know, to kind of get some some training. I mean, we go to professionals to learn how to play the piano or something, you know, but for some reason with love, sex and relationships and boundaries and things like that, you know, communication about negotiating and navigating. I mean, it's like, we're just like thrown out in the world and it's like, okay, kid, good luck with that. So that might be a good thing to do to, you know, to kind of get your feet wet and then figuring out if you have friends, it's like, you know, having really clear conversations about this is what I want. One of the biggest things that I've kind of come up with, with the book that I wrote is that most of us, you know, this whole paradigm of sex equals equals touch, you know, it's like most of the touch that we get with adults that feels nurturing or caring in any way is usually done one-on-one in a private space. And one of the things that I really advocate for is doing it in more of a group setting, you know, where there would be three to four people at least, um, because then it becomes a social activity instead of a sexual activity. I mean, primates do that all the time. You know, primates spend 10 to 20% of their time grooming each other um, because it feels good. And uh, they've also found that it fosters sharing and cooperation, which is a nice benefit, you know, it's like it makes you feel trusting and more caring towards the members of your tribe. So getting a, getting a group of people together and being like, hey, this is what I wanna do. You can also, um, uh, it may or may not work for you to be with a group of strangers, like there's cuddle parties that happen um, that would be a good way to, to kind of get your feet wet. You know, mm-hmm. some, some people are like, oh, I would, much rather do that with a group of strangers than with somebody I know. Or some people are like, no, I can't do it with a group of strangers, but maybe I could do it with a stranger one-on-one. So it's, I think it's kind of a matter of figuring out what will work best for you and, and figuring out what your barriers are to it. Yeah. I think that's really interesting that the amount of vulnerability, if you're opening yourself up to something new even though touch is something so natural to us but this type of touch being new that for some people they want people they know and for some people that's too intimate in a way and actually a stranger who they might never see again can feel more accessible and I've heard of cuddle parties because I watched a Louis Theroux documentary like years ago where he went to one and he's I don't know if you've seen any of his documentaries he's very British and he went to this cuddle party in the states and was like what's happening um yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, I don't know how I feel about, <laughs> about that person yeah. myself. Um, mm-hmm. But actually, when you, when we, when we first started, and you were saying about uh, how people used to, you know, wash each other's feet, cut each other's hair, I did have the primate image in my head. And actually, the, the thing that just popped into my head was thinking about, particularly with young girls, the idea of braiding each other's hair, and mm-hmm. that kind of thing being so, playful and for no other reason and it was just something that felt nice to have someone touch your hair and to touch someone else's that very yeah yeah I mean that's that's actually something a way that you can kind of sideload it in like you could get a bunch of your girlfriends together and be like 
we're going to have a pampering party. We're going to give each other pedicures and brush and braid each other's hair and paint our nails and uh, put masks on and things. And then, yeah, it is, it is really playful. And, you know, by the end of the night, you know, you bring snacks and drinks and by the end of the night, everybody's just like, oh my God, this is so amazing. And you've saved a bunch of money because you didn't like have your spa day. Um, I do think though that one of the, one of the big reasons that people are afraid to approach this topic with their friends is, you know, it's the whole sex versus touch paradigm again. You go up to your friend and you're like, oh, you know, I, I really am looking for a cuddle buddy or something. They're going to be like, are they trying to have sex with me? You know, what the, what the heck is going on here? So it's, it's a very fraught conversation, you know, and just in general, people have a hard time with voicing their desires and you know so it's like you have to you have to work really hard if you're doing it with people you know to create a common frame of reference around that and um i, I actually that was kind of what i created with the the book which we haven't really talked about yet but um it's basically like a workshop in the book you know this is how you approach your friends and this is how you get together and there's you know a series of exercises that you can go through and you know, that give people a chance to practice boundaries and to, you know, figure out what kind of touch they mm -hmm. like and don't like. Um, and it just gets real silly and giggly and <laughs> awkward. And, you know, you just kind of have to embrace mm -hmm. it. Actually, I, I don't know if you can see this right now. I just, uh, my friend just came over the other night and put braids and extensions in my hair. It took several hours. We had fun hanging out and, you know, we ordered a pizza and chitty chatted and stuff was more she was doing more of the work than I was but mm. um yeah I mean normally if it was not COVID time I would go to a salon there's there is a lot of that sort of stuff that we've outsourced to strangers and I think that you know people have really mm. discovered with the pandemic of oh hey I'm this is something I'm really missing you know because a lot of there's a lot of people out there who don't have access to touch you know who don't have friends that can hug them on a regular basis mm -hmm. you know so getting a massage or getting a pedicure or getting your hair cut where they shampoo your hair I mean it's like when that stuff kind of started going away as well people were like oh wait this is really bad this is really bad so yeah I mean I didn't have my hair cut that often um I haven't had it cut for probably nearly a year because it's only normally like six monthly anyway um but my hairdressers and I have this I've had the same person for several years and actually he gives me a head massage as well he's like do you want the massage with the oil mm. so it's not just the shampoo it's a proper massage which is very nice so and it's a massaging chair actually as well so it is like a really nice oh, a really nice treat that sounds great yeah yeah that sounds I actually remember, um, I, I knew a woman whose, uh, her daughter was a hairdresser in a small town in Texas. And she said that she had a lot of clients who were men in their 60s and 70s and 80s. And maybe most of them didn't have very much hair to begin with, but that they would come in because they really wanted that like shampoo and head massage and, um, you know, just to get somebody touching them in a in a caring way mm. so um and again you know it's like we've made so much of that stuff transactional over the past hundred years or so which can be lovely for the people on the receiving end and maybe not so much for the people on the giving end you know I think that there's a lot of um burnout a lot of times so yeah I suppose if it's something that that can be quite intimate and a lot of giving of yourself then that could be quite draining if you're constantly doing that well I mean I think when you know when you when you put your hands on people all the time you know it's like if you're if you're sensitive to people's energy I mean you're like up close and in their in their space and absorbing their stuff but also you know so many times I think when we go into a salon or we go into you know get a pedicure or something it's like we we just treat these people as servants you know it's like you don't often have I, I have a relationship with my hairdresser as you probably do as well 
you know, but for instance, like I have, I have not gotten a pedicure since the um, pandemic started and I probably won't because that's too much time indoors with strangers. But, you know, like I don't have a one person that I go to to get a pedicure from where I know their name and I know the names of their kids and, you know, I, I get to see pictures of their grandkids and stuff, you know, where it's not as much of a transactional relationship where there's more of a personal relationship that's created over time. And um, I think for a lot of this personal care stuff, a lot of us don't have those sorts of relationships with the people who were working on us or, you know, putting their hands on us to groom us. And I wonder whether for for this this nurturing human touch, if it's about that sense of community and belonging, whether that kind of emotional connection is a necessary component to really get the benefits. So although you're getting the some of the physical side by transacting it out, you're missing that extra layer of, of emotional connection. That's a great question. And my initial response is not necessarily. I mean, you know, sometimes you can get a massage from somebody that you've just met and you just, you feel really cared for, or I mean, like I can go out and meet us, you know, like I can go out on the street and hold out a sign that says free hugs and share a really, really beautiful hug with a stranger where they feel really seen and nourished and nurtured. Um, so I think it's, you know, it's the quality of the connection, you know, and that's, that's probably not the same as me hugging one of my dear friends that I've known for 20 years or something, or, you know, hugging my mother or something, but I think you can still create that. But, I, and, I, and I think that the touch in and of itself does create that sense of community and belonging, you know, that, that feeling of somebody's seen and I, I matter and I'm here for somebody. Uh, the other thing I would say about it is that I think for a lot of people, it's not a choice between being touched by a stranger and touched by somebody you know, but the choice is between being touched by a stranger and not being touched at all. I, I often, one of the arguments, and I see this argument from therapists even, you know, they're like, oh my God, somebody has to go to a professional cuddler, you know, they, they need to work on their relationships. And it's like, okay, well, are you really going to say that to like a man who was married for 45 years and his wife died? He's got all kinds of relationships, you know, his kids live across the country or something, you know, it's not for, for a lot of people, it's, it's not a matter of that. They don't know how to have relationships. It's just that other than a hugging goodbye, it's like, I mean, most of us really do not share a lot of touch with our friends. And when your romantic relationships don't, cover all of that stuff that leaves a lot of people out I mean I've had clients who are married who are like yeah my husband or wife won't cuddle with me I mean it's it's it, it, it's kind of a dirty secret that none of us are really talking about and it's really keeping it in the shadows and being ashamed of it thinking that we're doing something wrong is really hurting a lot of people in a huge way. Yeah. Um, I wonder if you have a final thoughts around touch or how we can have more of it in our lives or have a, I don't know, or just any, any final thought really before we move on to set questions. Sure. I think the, the if, if you want more touch in your life, it's like, I think the first thing you have to do is kind of assess your, yourself, how much touch you need. Um, what the barriers are to you getting it and figuring out how to ask for more, whether that's from a friend or a professional or your romantic partner or what have you. Um, I think we need to be having a lot more conversations about it. You know, it's like, you don't just like go around, and start hugging people. You know, it's like, you have to realize that, you know, this is, it's a very fraught topic for a lot of people and, and was even before the pandemic. It has to be approached thoughtfully and carefully. And uh, the final two things I would say about it is that there's no way to do it without, to ask for more touch without getting rejected. I mean, I have, I have friends who, you know, even before the pandemic, I would be like, do you want a hug? And they're like, yeah, maybe not. I'm like, okay, I, I'm, I'm glad that they know what they want. 
and the, it's going to be awkward and weird because we don't we don't know how to do this. You know, this is it, this is a new thing. You know, it's like we're evolving how we touch people and how we interact with people. And like anything new, it's going to be we're going to make mistakes and it's going to be weird and we're going to giggle nervously a whole bunch. And but hopefully in the end, it's worth it and it'll have fun. I will say that. Pretty much, you know, if if it's touch that you've said yes to and that you want, the really common reaction that I get from people is, oh my God, that feels really good. Or I had no idea how much I needed that. So um, to me, it's something that's really worth going through the, the awkwardness and the weirdness and the potential rejection to, to get. Awesome. Thank you for that. And I think even just having that awareness that it might be awkward and weird to start with can can help for that pushing through that kind of going, actually, I want this, I'm I'm consenting to it, it's going to be a bit awkward. And then yeah, it will be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think that's a, a great point. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, so I'd love to um, hear your thoughts on my set questions I ask everyone. Absolutely. Bring them on. Yeah, perfect. So the first one is what brings you joy in your life? Oh my God. Um, I'd say mostly my friends, actually my, my house brings me a lot of joy. I, I love living alone. I have a beautiful space and you know, I get to hang out with my critters and um, swimming. I, I love to be in the water. You can't, you can't get me out of the lake, the ocean, the hot tub. <laughs> That's probably one of my favorite things. Um, and actually, oh my God, the one of my biggest things that brings me joy is I love surprising people, like making, giving people happy surprises. Oh, awesome. I love it. And I, yeah, swimming. Absolutely. I, I love <laughs> wild swimming, being outside. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so then my next question is what makes life meaningful for you? For me, contributing to, to the world, you know, it's like, I'm kind of surprised by the path that I've been put on and um, it feels important to try and make a contribution to, to steer the world into a place where people are happier and more connected and feel healthier and, and seen and, and cared about and like they matter. So uh, my next two questions are around our kind of overarching topic on the podcast, so mental well-being. And so the first question is, what does mental wellness mean to you? That's a great question. Um, to me, mental wellness means that um, you understand the interplay between your body, your emotions, your thoughts, and your environment, that you're able to roll with the punches um, because there's none of us who escape having um, loss or tragedy or, you know, bad things happen to us. I mean, it's, it's just the nature of being alive and being able to respond and react to that and feeling like you are supported and loved and connected and resourced and being well acquainted with your emotions, I think is a, is a really big part of mental health. Mm, that's great. And then my follow-up is for yourself, what do you do to, to maintain that, to look after your mental well-being? Wow. Okay. God, I do a lot of things. Um, <laughs> I was actually, I was, I was noticing this morning um, or like the past couple of days, I was like, oh yeah, like I just um, started microdosing LSD again. That is something that gives me a really good, you know, it just like it makes it so stuff doesn't bother me as much and I'm just kind of generally in a better mood. Um, I tend to walk about four miles a day. I do some yoga. I spend a lot of time with friends. Um, I, I, I really am very heavily invested in my friendships and have been for years, keeping up with people, trying to take care of them, keeping up what's going on with their lives and help them out. I would try to get a, a good night's sleep most of the nights. Sometimes I do it and sometimes I don't. Um, and uh, playing with my, you know, hanging out with my cats, having them sit on my lap and pet them. is always a good way to 
you know, kind of calm me and bring me down. Also, I've been doing a lot of somatic therapy this year, which has been really wonderful and eye-opening because like most people, I spend a lot of time in my head. And um, I've also been doing a lot of ancestral um, lineage healing work, which has also been really fantastic and seems to be, uh, you know, kind of getting, getting right with my people and um, my heritage has been super helpful as well. Mm. It sounds like a real variety of, of things that you're, that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get bored pretty quickly. <laughs> so, I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's so interesting. It's like, I talked to so many people who were like, yeah, I went over to my friend's house the other day and we sat in the backyard and it was just so good to like see people in person. Um, and for me, like that connection piece does not a week goes by when I don't go out for a walk with friends or like I have a friend who's got a swimming pool and a hot tub. So I usually end up over at his place like once a week sitting outside and hanging out and chitty chatting and soaking. And um, it's just, it's, it's, it's so important and it's even more important than ever right now, I think. Yeah, it sounds, sounds amazing. Um, my next question is uh, often a challenge, which is always fun. Are you able to describe your mindset? My mindset in terms of, hmm, okay, that is a challenging question. Let's see, I'm much harder on myself than I need to be, although I'm trying to be kinder to myself and catch myself in those patterns, actually. And that was that was something I, I meant to pop in about the question about mental wellness is, you know, being kind and forgiving towards yourself and being a good friend towards yourself. Um, God, I would say my mindset, like I'm, I'm a very intellectual person. Um, I'm pretty philosophical. Um, I kind of veer back and forth between everything's going to hell and we're, we're about to culturally have a meltdown and go into like, pretty severe survival mode and you know we're gonna um figure out a way to evolve and move forward and create a better world um you know so i kind of go back and forth between those poles um i think that uh most of the problems in the world can be traced to the masculine and the feminine being out of balance and i think that at this point we're too far towards masculine concerns and we're far away from relationships and taking care of each other and that's really hurting us um and um sometimes sometimes i'm lazy you know a lot of times things come really easily to me and then um you know sometimes i just kind of get into this standstill problem um I like to think that I have a pretty broad perspective and that I'm open-minded, um, but I tend to be fairly intolerant of cruelty and harm and people who want to hurt other people or you know, deprive other people of their rights. Um, I'm pretty stuck in a, um, a gender binary, which is unfortunate. I, I struggle to um, better understand, you know, having more of a spectrum of gender as opposed to just one or the other, um, you know, but I'm pretty, you know, my experience has obviously been informed by, you know, being a cisgender female in the body that is not, I'm biracial, but I pass for white, so, and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, always I, I I try to keep learning and growing and you know but like everybody I, I know that I have a lot of blind spots mm. yeah the, the, it's such an interesting question because it's often, often a challenge for people and it's I'm just nosy to be honest <laughs> hearing um <laughs> well I, I hope did I did I answer it to your satisfaction was there anything that you were like uh no it was great because that's the thing it's quite an open question people interpret mindset however they interpret it and I thought it was a very kind of um deeply thought out sort of uh response some people oh thank you just what like a couple of words but it was yeah very uh very 
thoughtful. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm pretty, I'm pretty introspective mm-hmm. and I spend a lot of time in my head. So. Yeah. <laughs> same <laughs> which is why I'm like always trying to do things to get more into my body you know like yoga and walking and yeah. you know learning dancing and things like that so yeah, yeah. awesome uh, the next question is my favorite one to ask uh, as I said I'm nosy uh, so <laughs> I always ask uh, guests that come on to leave us with between one and three top tips of things that we can try in our lives that are going to have a massive impact so you can tailor them to touch or you can just do general tips but do you have one to three top tips for us let's see um my first one would be uh always it's always okay to ask and it's always okay to say no which you know that could be touch or something else um and you know if somebody does say no to you or if you do say no accept it gracefully and give it gracefully it really does pay to invest in a broad spectrum of relationships and friendships because ultimately that's what will sustain you. I mean, especially for most of us, it's like romantic partners and children and things will, will come and go. But, um, you know, most of the time your, your friends are going to stick with you. What else? Let's see. I think that right now for people, if they're, if they're feeling touch deprived, like one of the things that you can do that's really nice for yourself is like uh, get a hairbrush or body brush and just, you know, like brush on your skin pretty heavily. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely not a substitute for getting hugs or cuddles or what have you, but um, it, it helps. It does alleviate. So, and um Actually, I would, I would add a 3A on that, which is, talk, you know, talk to people about this and, um, you know, talk, don't, don't, you know, it's like one of the, I think one of the things that's happening for us right now is that we're, we're really in a space where we can go, okay, how do we want to be moving forward? And this is a topic that we need to be talking about and thinking about when we can touch people again has the way that we've touched people in the past been serving us? And if the answer is no, you know, it's like have some conversations about what that might look like and what you might want. So, mm. Yeah, it's almost maybe a nice opportunity to have that conversation because it's coming out of a situation where we haven't had a touch. Yeah, so exactly. It's, it's a reason to, to be like, what, what are you comfortable with? And I, and I love that first one, that asking and then being gracious if if it if it's a no and um yeah 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 thank you for sharing those and then my final question is where people can connect with you I know you mentioned your book um where can they find that if they're interested when you're able to to open your your practice again where can they find you sure um so my website is www.nurturinghumantouch.com and um it has it has links to the book. Um, the book is available as an ebook, as a um, paper book, and also as an audio book. Um, and it's available at most e-retailers around the world. Uh, Karuna Sessions, there's a page on Nurturing Human Touch for Karuna Sessions. Actually, I don't know. We're, we're based in Austin, Texas. Um, I'm actually right now I'm pretty sure I'm going to grad school to get a master's in public health because I want to do public health programs around human touch so I don't know if the business is going to be opening back up right away it'll probably be a couple of years one way or the other but um also if you poke around like I've I've written about this topic on a couple of different websites um like there's an article about touch during the pandemic on Huffington Post and um, spirituality and health. I think I wrote one with tips for how, how to deal with touch hunger. Um, and then if you go to the website, there's lots of uh, links to podcast interviews like this one. And um, yeah, feel free to drop me a line. Right now I am working on another book, which is about nurturing human touch for romantic couples. And I am looking to interview people who have lived with their partner for three years and are in a relationship where they wish that they could have more 
non-sexual touch and they just don't know quite how to approach their partner about it. So um, if that describes you and you're willing to be interviewed, then drop me a line. Mm, awesome. And we'll absolutely link in the show notes uh, to your website and, and books so that people can find those easily from there. And uh, congrats on grad school. Um, enjoy Thanks. grad school. It sounds awesome. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm really excited about it. I haven't been to college in like 35 years. So I'm, I'm a little awesome. nervous about it. But, um, you know, I come from a family of academics. So hopefully I'll be able to make it work. I am um, a perpetual student. I think that's how I describe myself. And I think there's something great about coming back to learning as an adult when you can really know what lights you up and, and study that. Whereas as a child and in school, often it's what you have to learn, mm-hmm. not so much what you're excited about. So Yeah, I mean, I've, I've definitely studied and learned things and, you know, done things over the past 35 years. But um, you know, I'm kind of an artist and a creative and mm. studying science, like epidemiology, I'm like biostatistics. I'm like, man, that's going to be hard. But anyways, <laughs> I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it and to be able to um, bring this more to the people who need it the most. You know, I mean, there's, there's mm. a lot of people out there who can't afford mental health care or even medical care. And, you know, maybe make their lives a little bit easier so yeah Yeah, amazing well I wish you so much luck with with it Um, and I thank you so much Tiffany for joining me I've loved speaking with you I'm gonna look up the Louis through cuddle party after this to be honest because I'm curious will you you send me the link for it yeah I will yeah um because I'd love to I'd love to see that but I'm, I'm always looking for more um you know feedback and you know people's perspectives on that kind of stuff so that would be great yeah I think it's quite funny because he's yeah quite British and he so he he does all these you know documentaries uh with uh like controversial groups or not that I'm saying cuddle parties are controversial groups but with you know he goes and tries to really understand people so he asks people questions and Uh it's um he's very awkward in the whole thing so I'm I'm gonna re-watch that but I'll absolutely send it to you but yeah definitely So thanks again to Epiphany for joining us. And actually something that struck me um, between filming this episode and it coming out um, and also when I was editing uh, the episode for release was about touch and martial arts, actually, because I've started Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, actually, it's it, <laughs> I think I mentioned this before. It's a nice if it just is like cuddling it's very close in personal space and and it's something I just was curious about how that as we mentioned in in our society particularly kind of UK uh, American society that touch and particularly touch between men is is maybe not um as accepted it's is that there's all those judgments or maybe fears that may come with it and I know that that is not true of of all cultures um I quite uh, like the Korean culture uh quite into K-pop uh, well <laughs> some K-pop which I think I mentioned before anyway um and and there's something called skinship that idea that close um the close, the close male friends for example are maybe much more touchy-feely and hugging and etc than than we might be um in in British culture but I was I was curious and I don't I haven't looked to see if there's any research in this but actually martial arts where there is a lot of physical contact the the benefits maybe of that of having that touch um between between people because there there is something when we are held in a cuddle and obviously it's different if someone's trying to put you in a chokehold in a martial arts but you know the oxytocin that that our brains release that kind of feel good love hormone the cuddle cuddle chemical and I'm just curious whether that that is a, a positive side effect maybe of, of some of these martial arts I'm thinking particularly of Brazilian jiu-jitsu um which is one that I have a little experience of and how it is yeah strange and you start because it is just like cuddling um obviously not just that but that's a thought I had just throwing it in um, a random thought but I was definitely reflecting on on touch 
that I am not necessarily someone who is very tactile. I like my personal space. It can feel quite intense uh, to let people into my personal space and to indulge in touch. But I think for me, it's being mindful of what I need and what is comfortable for me, but also the people around me and what is uh, important for them, that their needs are also being met. And that's not to say uh, satisfying other people's touch needs at the expense of my own, but... Um, I don't know if you've ever done the love languages quiz. It's something I did again recently. Touch is way down at the bottom for me. It is my lowest one. But acts of service is by far my biggest one. And actually, for me, that sort of making more of an effort to be a bit more tactile with my partner, um, because I think touch is is higher for him, is is actually an act of service. It's not putting myself in a position where I'm uncomfortable but it is maybe pushing myself a little more than I would for something that doesn't come so naturally to me and and viewing it as an act of service which sounds really unromantic and it's not actually it's not really romantic touch in that sense it's just that kind of human connection um so anyway I feel like I'm just sharing a lot of thoughts with you today um but I hope that you um you've enjoyed this conversation and and I think it's worth thinking for yourself about your own touch needs and what they look like and particularly as we are coming out of lockdown into this this new space and what that looks like how you can meet your needs for touch in a way that is safe um and and feels comfortable and safe for you in in all the ways so yes so thanks again to Epiphany and I really hope that you have enjoyed this conversation please do rate review and subscribe if you have enjoyed it it really helps us to reach more people um and and feel free to tag us in social media let us know what you've taken from the episode Uh, so we are at psyche coaching p-s-y-k-h-e coaching or one word on Facebook Instagram and Twitter so you can connect with us there we are also on LinkedIn so if you're on there you can connect with us on there and we share kind of what we've got going on that's it I feel like I've spoken a lot of thoughts today it feels very much kind of stream of consciousness type uh, stuff but um, I hope that you've enjoyed it and that you've taken something from it Um, and I really appreciate you for tuning in and spending time with us today that's everything we'll be back on Wednesday with another fab conversation so until then take care of yourself be kind to yourself and I'll speak to you soon. Bye for now.